you can start turning in your Bibles to the book of 1 Thessalonians. That's where we're going to be as we are in our series on Letter to the Church. And it's interesting the way God's timing works out because inevitably it seems like God works the sermons out to line up with a particular holiday. And that's just how God's timing seems to be working. The title of today's sermon is Endurance. It's worthy of gratitude. It's worth our time to give thanks for spiritual endurance and for people who commit themselves to discipleship and to growing to be more like Christ. So as you're turning in your Bibles, we're going to be in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2. But before we dig into 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, I'd like us to take a look at our memory verse of the month. We've been working on 1 Thessalonians 1, 2. So join with me in reciting 1 Thessalonians 1-2. Join with me. 1 Thessalonians 1-2. We always thank God for all of you and continually mention you in our prayers. 1 Thessalonians 1-2. The Apostle Paul had an affinity, a fondness for the church in Thessalonica. We've talked about some of the history and some of the background, but you may remember that Paul had visited Thessalonica and started a church in Thessalonica. Shortly after starting the church, Paul was literally run out of town by the Thessalonians. And the book of 1 Thessalonians is a book centered on finding out that the Thessalonian church was still thriving. Even though Paul had been run out of town, the believers in Thessalonica were still serving God. And in many ways, 1 Thessalonians is a book of thanks for those who endured, who continued to serve. Have you ever had trip plans that got canceled or confused or thrown off when you had a trip? My uh, brother, his wife, and his family, and my mom are visiting us today. They were actually planning to visit us a month ago, but they got sick and plans got canceled. Uh, The kids actually played road trip that day. Uh, They sent me a picture. They laid out a a car with rope on the ground, and they sat in the middle of the car for a pretty long period of time, pretending they were on a road trip. But on Friday, they actually got to make the road trip. Sometimes our plans get canceled or changed or confused. That's what's happened here in the book of 1 Thessalonians. Paul had been run out of town. He wanted to get back, but it wasn't going to be allowed. And so instead, he sent Timothy, and this book is in response to the report that Timothy brought. So we're going to see details of Paul's canceled plans. We're going to see that Paul cared so much because Thessalonica, the Thessalonian church, had become Paul's spiritual legacy, and he cared deeply for his spiritual legacy. So we're going to look at spiritual legacy and endurance in that context. We're going to see that spiritual legacy is worth your investment. It's worth taking the time to form a spiritual legacy. You should never take spiritual legacy for granted. It will bring you joy. And it's worth spending time in prayer about. So that's what we're going to see. As we see that in the world we live in, we're busy. I reckon that you could find something to do every minute of your life for the rest of your life if you worked at it. And it wouldn't take much work. In fact, if you don't work at it, you'll probably find that you're even more busy. Our world is a busy world. 
but take the time. Invest, because a spiritual legacy is worth your time. Let's read in 1 Thessalonians, starting in chapter 2, verse 17, and reading on. So starting in verse 17, it says, But brothers and sisters, when we were orphaned by being separated from you for a short time, in person, not in thought, out of our own intense longing, we made every effort to see you. For we wanted to come to you. Certainly, I, Paul, did again and again. But Satan blocked our way. For what is our hope, our joy, or the crown in which we will glory in the presence of our Lord Jesus when he comes? Is it not you? Indeed, you are our glory and joy. So when we could stand it no longer, we thought it best to be left by ourselves in Athens. We sent Timothy, who is our brother and co-worker in God's service in spreading the gospel of Christ to strengthen and encourage you in your faith so that no one would be unsettled by these trials. For you know quite well that we are destined for them. In fact, when we were with you, we kept telling you that we would be persecuted. And it turned out that way, as you all well know. For this reason, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I was afraid that in some way the tempter had tempted you and that our labors might have been in vain. But Timothy has just now come to us from you and has brought good news about your faith and love. He's told us that you always have pleasant memories of us and that you long to see us just as we long to see you. Therefore, brothers and sisters, in all our distress and persecution, we were encouraged about you because of your faith. For now, we really live since you are standing firm in the Lord. Night and day we pray most earnestly that we may see you again and supply what is lacking in your faith. Now, may our God and Father himself and our Lord for each other and for everyone else, just as ours does for you, may he strengthen your hearts so that you will be blameless and holy in the presence of our God and Father when our Lord Jesus comes with all his holy ones. What I want to dig into And what I want you to see is that, first of all, in verses 17 through 20 of chapter 2, we see that a spiritual legacy is worth your investment. There are lots of things you could invest in. There are lots of bad choices for your investment. A spiritual legacy is worth your investment. I want to tell you a story. Um, Inevitably, I don't know, probably every three to four months, while we're out shopping, Emily decides that she wants to buy the cat a new toy. Okay, so sometimes, you know, it's a dollar store toy with some feathers on the end of it. Other times it's, you know, like a piece of cat furniture or something like that. Here's the thing that we have found though, time and time again, we bring the cat toy home, we pull the cat toy or the piece of furniture out of the box, we set it up and we look and the cat's playing in the box. (laughs) And the cat toy goes untouched. Cat toys are not a good investment, at least in our house. Shoe boxes, that's a good investment for us. A spiritual legacy, though, is a good investment. In verses 17 and 18, we see that Paul's love for his spiritual children brought a deep longing. Because he had invested in the Thessalonians, he had a deep desire, a deep longing. In fact, the Apostle Paul uses some dramatic language. As he's speaking, he talks about brothers and sisters. When we were orphaned, 
The word orphaned comes out, and it's this idea of separation. You can hear, you can read in Paul's words here that he feels strongly that he has been separated from something valuable to him. In fact, Paul says that he had done everything he could to try to get to Thessalonica. He had tried, and he had tried, and he had tried, and he's very dramatic if you look at that. We were orphaned. We had an intense longing. We made every effort to see you, for we wanted to come to you. Actually, the, the four, verse 18, the for we wanted to come to you would probably be better translated as we had resolved to come to you. We were settled on it. We were going to come. And then Paul goes on and he says uh, in the second half of verse 18, certainly I, it wasn't just we, it was me personally. I'm not just using the royal we to make it sound dramatic. I wanted to come to you. That's what Paul is saying here. But Satan blocked the way. There's something to learn here. Satan blocked the way. Satan is a real foe who can get in the way. He's not just an abstract evil. And sometimes God allows Satan to get in the way. And I want you to notice the Apostle Paul, a hero of the faith, right? The great Apostle Paul was willing to admit that Satan had blocked his way. He had a deep longing, a love, and he's willing to admit that even he could be blocked. But that didn't change his longing or his love. Because you see, the Apostle Paul in verse 19 tells us that he recognized the reality of a future pinnacle event. So when we think about our spiritual legacy, you might ask, well, why? Why is this a good investment? Why should I spend all this time investing in somebody to form a spiritual legacy? And the answer is because there is coming a future pinnacle event. The return of Jesus Christ. And it will be worth it. The Apostle Paul says that the spiritual children, his spiritual legacy is his hope. Then he goes on and says, well, even more than hope, it's his joy. Goes on and says, more than just joy, it's his crown. The victor's crown. If you think about uh, things like Roman games or the Olympics, the idea of you compete and you win and you walk away with a crown. The apostle Paul recognized that his spiritual legacy would be his crown. You see, he understood what his future self would value. So I want you to think back. For some of you, this will be really easy. For others of you, this is going to be hard. I want you to think back to when you were a very young child. What did you think your future self would value? Think about that for a second. What did you think your future self would value? Maybe it was a car. Maybe it was a job. How many of you have the job you thought you'd have when you were five years old? Hey, maybe it was a particular type of house. What did you think your future self would value? I want to tell you. The Apostle Paul recognized in verse 20 what we all need to recognize. The thing that our future selves are going to value is our spiritual legacy. That's what you are going to value. One day, you're going to see Christ face to face. And what you will value then is your spiritual legacy legacy. That's what you are going to value. So let me give you an action step out of this section of the passage. I want you to take a second and consider your investments. 
Think about your investments. How are you investing yourself? Do they reflect the reality of the future? The reality of the future is that Jesus is coming again. And he is going to take us to be with him in glory. We need to be careful to realize that the spiritual legacy should not be taken for granted. Spiritual legacy takes intentionality, takes purpose. In verses 1 and 2, what I see is that Paul understood that his spiritual children needed encouraging. And I want you to understand, your spiritual legacy, the people who you are investing in, need encouraging. You see, we live in a fallen world. We live in a world where trouble is real, where struggle is real. We need to understand that we need to be encouraging those with whom we are working, those with whom we have invested our time. The Thessalonians needed encouragement, and that is what Paul wanted to do. He wanted to go there to encourage them. But remember, Paul had been stopped. He had been prevented. That's what we read in chapter 2. And so Paul's solution was actually really simple and really ingenious and a model for us to follow. Paul sent Timothy to encourage. So that got me thinking. How do we employ this? I actually think as a church we do this really well. You see, our deacons serve all over the place. They go to the hospital and visit. They go encourage people. I'm incredibly thankful for our deacons, and I'm incredibly thankful for a church that has never complained to me that a deacon came and visited me and not one of the pastors. I want you to understand that that's, that's real. That's important. We should be encouraged by whoever God chooses to send us to encourage them. Paul sent Timothy. Can you imagine being in Thessalonica, how this could have gone? This could have gone like this. Who's this Timothy guy? I thought the apostle Paul was the person who worked with us. Timothy, we don't, we don't care what you have to say. You're not the Apostle Paul. No, that's not what happened. Instead, they embraced Timothy. The second thing that I see here is that Paul was aware of the reality of trials and persecution. Trials and persecution are real, and your spiritual legacy, whoever that may be, are going to encounter trials and persecution. They're going to run into problems. In fact, Jesus promised this in John 15, 29. He promised trials, and he promised tribulation in John 16, 33. If we are serving God, if we are serving Jesus, one day we're going to run into trouble. It's inevitable. Don't take spiritual legacy for granted because there are trials and persecution out there. We need to encourage each other. In fact, the Apostle Paul if you're looking here in your text, the Apostle Paul said that uh, in verse 4, when we were with you, we kept telling you that you would be persecuted. We told you that we were going to be persecuted. And guess what? It happened. We were run out of town. Your spiritual legacy is going to face persecution. Don't take it for granted. Be willing to encourage them. Be willing to ask others to encourage them. Be willing to reach out. Verse 5, I find to be really interesting. 
Paul said, for this reason, because of the trials and persecution that he was concerned with, when I could stand it no longer, I sent to find out about your faith. I sent Timothy to you to find out how you were doing. Why? Because I was afraid in some way that the tempter had tempted you. Paul feared for the safety of his spiritual children. It makes sense that Paul would be afraid of this. Remember, who was it that was preventing Paul from going to visit the church at Thessalonica? We read this in chapter 2. Satan. Why would Satan be working against Paul? For a bigger plan over here, maybe? Maybe so that he can distract the Thessalonian church? And that's what Paul's afraid of. As Paul thinks through this, he thinks, maybe Satan is delaying me so that he can attack the Thessalonian church. I want you to think about that for just a second in your own life. Sometimes we're so focused on ourselves. A vicious attack in your life might be so that you don't encourage somebody else because Satan has a more vicious attack planned for somebody else. Don't take spiritual legacy for granted. He was worried that they would fall. Not that they would lose their salvation, but that they would fall away from their faith, that they would begin to question And so Paul sent Timothy to find out how are they doing. So let me give you an action step, something you can do. I want you to consider those on whom you have an impact. I want to tell you you, there are those you have an impact. Whether you are very young, you've got siblings, or whether you are very old, there's lots of people you have an impact. Consider those on whom you have an impact and ask this question. Who do you need to reach out to today to send a note of encouragement? Who do you need to reach out to today to encourage, to ask, how are you doing? How are you feeling? How's your faith going? It's not very often that I encourage you to use your cell phone in church, but if you need to do that right now because you're going to forget, do it. Send a text. Ask somebody, how are you doing today? because we can never take the spiritual legacy that we have for granted. Check on people. The Apostle Paul continued in verses 6 through 10, and what I got as I was reading this, what I understood is that spiritual legacy brings real joy. Your spiritual legacy can be the source of true joy. Verse 6 starts with a contrasting conjunction. Verse 6 says, but Timothy has just now come. The apostle Paul had said, I was worried. I was concerned. I knew that you had faith and that then we had to leave. And I knew that Satan was attacking. And so I sent Timothy to you. And it sort of just sits there. I wondered what was going. But Timothy has just now come to us and has brought good news. Paul identified two sources of encouragement. The first was the faith of the church at Thessalonica, and the second was their love. Paul was encouraged because Timothy had brought good news. The church in Thessalonica is faithful. The individuals in the church remain faithful to Christ. They remain faithful to the teaching that you left them with. And there's more. It's not just that they claim faith, but they're showing their faith through their love. Faith and love marked the Thessalonians, and that brought Paul joy. 
the spiritual victories were great encouragement to Paul. In fact, in verse 8, Paul says something that I think is really cool. He says, for now we really live. Now we really live. We live in a world, we live in a world that is full of what I would call vicarious living. So vicarious uh, has this idea of in the place of another, okay? We are in a world that is full of vicarious living. Look at some examples. How many of you look at people's images of vacations on Facebook and think you were there? Okay. How many of you watch kids playing sports and imagine you're playing the sport? Okay, how many of you go watch a movie and imagine that you are Iron Man? <laughs> we live in a world full of vicarious living where we imagine somebody else's life. We let their life take our place. The Apostle Paul actually tells us that true vicarious living is spiritual in nature. Upon hearing the news of the growth of the Thessalonians, their faith, their love, he says, now we really live. We really live since you stand firm in the Lord. Vicarious living, true vicarious living, is spiritual in nature. Ultimately, though, that means that if we invest and we form a spiritual legacy, we can give gratitude for those with whom we work. As we go into Thanksgiving... I want you to take time this week and thank God for the individuals that you have been able to invest in. If you're not investing in someone now, maybe that will be motivation to invest in someone. But thank God for the individuals that you're investing in because they are your current source of joy, I hope, and they will be your future sense of joy. Because there is a future pinnacle event coming and your future self is going to value your spiritual investment more than anything else. So, action step. Take a minute and ask, who do I need to invest in so that I might experience this kind of joy? Take a heart, a heart check, a pulse check. Check your pulse, your spiritual pulse. Who are you investing in? Are you pouring yourself into somebody to form a spiritual legacy? The Apostle Paul, in the midst of persecution, remember, he'd been thrown out of the city. He got to Athens. Things did not go better in Athens. He got to Corinth, and he met a mess of a church in Corinth. But yet he had real joy because of his spiritual legacy. Ultimately, in verses 11 through 13, what I see is that a spiritual legacy is worthy of your prayers. In verse 11, Paul continued to pray that he might be united with his spiritual children. You see, in chapter 2, he had told us the reality of satanic attack. Satan wants nothing less than to destroy your spiritual legacy. Paul understood the reality that Satan works to destroy discipleship. And so what did Paul do in verse 11? He prayed. Paul understood that nothing he could do could stop this but that God could, and so he prayed. Paul understood that prayer is effective. Even when it didn't seem like it was working, prayer was effective. What did he pray for? 
In verse 12, he prayed that his spiritual children would overflow with love. Here's something I find interesting. What did Paul tell us earlier in chapter 3 that the Thessalonians were known for? Timothy came back and he brought back news that the Thessalonians were thriving in two areas, faith and love. So what does the apostle Paul then pray that they will grow in? Love. We can all grow in love. And so no matter who your spiritual legacy is, pray that they will grow in their love for each other. This should be a regular prayer request of ours. If it's not, mark it down, write it down. Pray that we will grow in love. Ultimately, Paul prayed that his spiritual children would live as God intends. Why should we strive to live like this? Paul's answer is simple. Because the time is coming when our Lord Jesus will come with all his holy ones. His holy ones, I want to tell you who they are, not angels, okay? Saints, those who have fallen asleep in Christ. There's a time coming when Jesus is coming again and he will bring with him all of those who have fallen asleep in Christ. Live the way God intends because you know Jesus is coming again. Pray for your spiritual legacy knowing that one day, that's what your future self is going to value, that one day Jesus is coming again Let's do an action step. In keeping with my month uh, theme of prayer during the service in the month of November, we're going to take a minute. I want you to pray right here and right now for those on whom you have an impact. I'll close this in a couple minutes. Pray. Father, I thank you that you allow us to have a spiritual legacy. It's interesting to me as I think about spiritual legacy because you don't need us to do the work. But we need to do the work because it is our source of joy. It is what we will one day value. And so I pray for our spiritual legacy. I pray for our spiritual legacy as a church. I think of the children with whom you've entrusted us as a church, and I pray that we would disciple them, that we would show them Jesus. I thank you that you've entrusted us with the children. I thank you that you've entrusted us with people whom we can disciple, that we can show Jesus, that we can say, follow me as I follow Christ. Father, ultimately, I thank you for salvation, for the fact that you died on the cross, you paid for my sins, that you brought me to a saving knowledge to be willing to admit that I was a sinner and to accept that you had died for me. Father, I thank you for the spiritual legacy that exists here, and I pray that we would never take it for granted that we would always invest in it. Help us to make prayer for those with whom we are working a regular part of our life.
In Jesus' name, amen.